Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it and why we need it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Today, my guest is Matt Hill, who is a freelance copywriter and fiction writer based in Glossop. He's the author of four novels set in and around the near future Britain. They're called The Folded Man, Graft, which was finalist for the 2017 Philip K. Dick Award, Zero Bomb, and most recently, a book called The Breach. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me. I was kind of thinking about, well, I suppose when I first wanted to get a writer on the podcast, I was thinking about, oh, you've probably had a few rejections and that would be interesting to talk about in terms of resilience. But then when I was thinking of the whole process, the getting a book off the ground, the review, just everything, I just thought there's so much resilience to dig into there. So thanks for coming on <laughs> and talking about that. I'm still going to, the first question that I do ask everybody who comes on the podcast is kind of what your definition of resilience is. So okay. over to you for that one. Cool. I mean, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think I've got two definitions of resilience. Um, It's slightly kind of informed by the fact that, you know, one from the kind of professional side and then one from the fiction writing side, which should be professional, but isn't always. Um, So I think I could define it sort of on two fronts. Um, So in the professional world, which I base mostly on my sort of past job or when I'm working with clients, the kind of corporate side, if you like, um, I think... Well, I mean, I talked to a friend about this quite recently and we agreed that resilience has become a bit of a byword for um, I'm going to shovel loads of shit at you and if you don't shoulder it, then you need to build your resilience. Um, and if you, you know, if you seem to be struggling doing that, then we'll give you a free uh, a free mindfulness app um, <laughs> that you can use to help yourself sleep even though you're stressed to the balls, you know, uh, eyeballs. And then... Yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of just plugs into that whole thing about productivity being the most important virtue you can possess when you're in the workplace. Um, we're paying you, stop complaining, uh, that kind of thing. So that's resilience in the kind of like, kind of quite a toxic way. But then I think in in terms of fiction, in terms of my creative practice, um, and when, if I think about my career, and I say career in scare quotes, um, I don't think of resilience as being a quality you possess but instead i think of it being a behavior you exhibit because i think i i mean i don't think i'm inherently resilient um i'm actually massively sensitive oversensitive i get moody and mardy and grumpy about this stuff um sometimes i want to throw it all away and never do it again um but then when i still come back to my desk and sit down and write it well you know maybe you can say that's being resilient so i'll t- i'll take it if someone says oh you've been very resilient there and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. But actually what it is, is spite. <laughs> like being spiteful, <laughs> like going, you know, I'm going to take, you know, allowing yourself to feel really rubbish about a situation um, and then going, okay, I've wallowed in this for long enough. I need to crack on. Let's show them spite. Um, I mean, I actually think it was, I think it was the writer, Patrick Ness, who I saw tweet this once, saying that he was completely motivated by um, spite for the people that had kind of... Um, <laughs> said he was never going Rejected to amount to anything yeah. that kind of thing yeah 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 and, and I, sometimes I think of that and I think yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna show I don't even know who I'm gonna show but I'm gonna show somebody <laughs> and, and then you you know you crack on 
Um, cracking on. I like that, yeah. that definition yeah, of that's, resilience. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely resonate with I suppose if you a lot of that wallowing is quite unseen. So for some people would have said to me, Oh, you're so resilient and you think, Well, I was sobbing on the sofa for a week and is that being resilient? But I like then your definition that that gives a space to still be resilient. You still feel that. Um and um crack on. <laughs> Get over it, yeah. crack on eventually. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it's actually really interesting that you talk about the unseenness of it because I think uh writing fiction in particular, certainly in the kind of traditional model, you know, being published by a big press or or, or even a small press, you know, I think there's a there's a big expectation that you're living this extremely glamorous life, you know, parties and cocktails and sort of being wined and dined at the Ivy and all this stuff. And actually the, the bare bones of it are pretty, you know, you sit, sit your backside down and you crack on and, and then at the end of it, you feel exhausted and emotionally spent. And the next morning you wake up and you read over what you've written and gone, Oh no, like, what was that? And then you have to rewrite it. Um, so how and, did, and, oh, sorry, yeah. carry on. I was going to, no, no, it was really how you got into that because I think I, um, well, from what I know, that you weren't you living that glamorous full time writer life when you started writing these books. So, how did you start to write, or is it something that you've always done? Um, I mean, I, I I did a I did a degree in journalism, um, which I quickly found wasn't for me, uh, in the sense that I was not very good at it and not very motivated by it. Um, I kind of dabbled with fiction. I used to write sort of very subpar. I almost don't want to say comedy science fiction, but that's kind of... Oh, is that a genre? Well, (laughs) you know, if you think like um, Hitchhiker's Guide, the kind of slightly silly, punny. Excellent. Yeah, and thankfully that never saw the light of day. Um, I think I got one rejection from an agent, actually, that just had a handwritten note saying, we have no idea what you're trying to do. And... uh, (laughs) That, that's always burned and that's pinned to your wall and yeah. <laughs> the spite that's it and I, you know that's how you're think, trying to prove Matt <laughs> yeah sometimes I think think back to those early kind of submissions I made to publishers agents I just want to die of cringing you know and um, how old were but, you when you were making these submissions is this fresh out of uni yeah I'm 21 22 I started probably writing fiction per se um I didn't go the the kind of classic route which is to write lots of short stories I and I don't think it was a conscious thing. I just, I, I, what I tended to do was write a chapter of something. Or if I had ideas, I'd cannibalize them all into one thing and ended up with very messy, long manuscripts that mm. didn't, you know, cohere or say anything by important. And then, yeah. And then, you know, I carried on. Um, I took my job. I got a job as a kind of junior copywriter, if you like. And, and that kind of helped me inhabit lots of different voices. I had quite a lot of fun with that. And then from there, um, you know, I wrote a novel. I wrote a couple of novel manuscripts that never saw the light of day. Uh, and then I wrote one novel, which I then got an agent with. Um, and then that took a long while to get picked up. But when it did, that was that was lovely. Um, and that, yeah, the first book came out in 2013. So it's been 10 years this year, which is crazy oh, to congratulations. me. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, still, here. still here. Still writing. Clinging on. Clinging on. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to take the things off on too much of a tangent. But again, I was thinking of some some things that people have said to me over the years about, you know, publishing and resilience and that kind of stuff. And I think there's another misconception is that once you have published a book or once you've been published, then your future success is kind of guaranteed. Mm. Um, and it, and it's really not, you know, you're, you're pretty much only as good as your last manuscript or your last bunch of sales. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, the, the, the kind of 
the way they described it, it was like being on a climbing wall and you're looking for your next hold, but you can't necessarily see it. And um, that's quite, it's quite tricky. And you have long periods of waiting. You have long periods of kind of anxiously waiting on news from agents or publishers or whatever it is. And, and, um, and then you have the actual writing itself. And sometimes you're writing stuff, not knowing if the thing you've just finished is going to see the light of day. Um, so there's lots of weird stuff that happens even after you've been published, so to speak, especially if you don't sell well. <laughs> I, I don't sell well. <laughs> so I think that. Well, I've you bought know. your books, Matt. Oh, well, thanks very much. That's, uh, that'll keep me. Despite you, know. you felt like, oh, have them, have them. I'm like, no. <laughs> well, that's probably why I don't sell them. I just want to give them away, you know. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but it must have taken so much discipline to, like, what? Were you writing that first book, say the one that got published? Were you writing that outside of your kind of work hours and just totally, a little bit yeah. here and there? How did you fit that in? Yeah, I mean, I mean, all of my novels that have been published, so the four that have been published, have all been written around my full time work. This last year is the first time I've been freelance and the first time I've had a bit more space to write fiction. Um, so, I mean, I mean, that first novel, it was kind of a weird. It was almost like I was not possessed with it. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, it just kind of wrote itself, but I would come home from work. We were living in Manchester at the time, central Manchester. I'd walk home from work a couple of miles. I'd have lots of time then to think I'd sit down on the sofa. Um, I'd write, you know, a few hundred words up to a thousand words, maybe a longer if it was a good session. Um, and then suddenly I had a manuscript and that, that novel in particular, was quite a weird experience because I wasn't exposed to anything to do with publishing. I wrote it fully in my own little bubble, if you like. I didn't have any writer friends. I didn't know really what to do with it, where to send it, what it was, you know. It was only after it came out that people called it speculative or science fiction. So things like that were quite, you know, it was, it was a whole new world that opened up from there. And then the second book was much more tricky to write because our first son came along Um and, you know, we moved and, you know, I was, we were in London and, and life was a bit pacier and it was harder to write. It was the, the difficult second album, if you like, <laughs> you know, it was just harder to write because I was second guessing myself. The, the first one hadn't sold very well. So I was like, how can I be more commercial, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. I was going to, when you were saying that you weren't in that world and it's yeah. almost that kind of naivety and kind of simplicity and that you're just doing what you want for you, um, then... I can imagine that actually having positives rather than, like you say, in the second one, kind of trying to make it better rather than the first or make it more yeah. commercially attractive. So I can imagine that having quite a few difficulties. And in terms of that first um, novel, like what was the process for that? I'm imagining a, a super long roller coaster, or was it that you just did a manuscript, sent it? I don't even know where you send them, send them to an agent. Publisher. An agent, yeah. 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 So it goes, it, I, I, I mean, it was a roller coaster. It was a massive roller coaster. Uh, weirdly, it was all a bit back to front. So I, I finished it. I had a couple of friends read it. Yeah, this is, you know, interesting. There's some, you know, what are you going to do with it? Um, so I sent it to some agents. And there was an agent, my then agent, sadly not anymore, but, you know, we've stayed pals. And he, um, he took it on very excitedly, which was a real kind of whirlwind. I don't know what, what year it was. Uh, it would have been 2012, maybe early to 2012 um, or even 2011. Anyway, regardless, he, he took it on 
and he said, look, this is a tricky sell, but I'm, I'm excited by it. So that was like, whoa, you know, I'm going to, it's going to happen. And then he submitted it to lots of publishers, lots of editors. It had lots of nice comments. None of them bought it. Um, so then we're like, okay, it's not going to sell. Um, and then it was um, submitted for the Dundee International Book Prize, which was for unpublished first manuscripts. Uh, and it was shortlisted for that. And so on the back of that shortlisting, it picked up a, a deal with uh, a lovely little press up in Scotland called Sandstone Press, um, who who put it out the year afterwards. And and that was that, you know, that was that was how it launched. But that was a long process. And certainly that year between signing with the agent and the Dundee Prize shortlisting, it was a bit like, well, it's not going to happen, you know. Mm. Um, so you, again, it's a series of hurdles, essentially, publishing, if you go the traditional route. And I guess, yourself, yeah, yeah, and I guess they're unseen, like we were talking about to start with, that's in that right. yeah. we just see it coming out and think, oh, well, that's yeah. a success. But or, there must have been. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what's the name? We're not doing very well in the um, publicizing this, but what's the, what was your first book called there? So the first book was Folded Man. It's Folded called, Man. Yeah. So, um, yes, it's out of print now. Uh, which probably says so something. popular <laughs> <laughs> sold out yeah, um, yeah. and then item. but I mean so that's talking about the success of it and the uh, the um, final destination of it coming out but there must have been so many rejections along mm-hmm. the way at every step I mean you started off by sending it to some friends you said how did you pick those people what sort of feedback did you get how did that feel um I mean <laughs> it's fair to say that my work is quite marmite i think it's quite, i think people find it quite challenging quite confronting sometimes um some people just think it's shit and that's okay <laughs> you know and i've learned to accept that and, and that's a broader bit of the conversation maybe yeah no that's definitely something to talk about because how can you write something that everybody's gonna right. love or is that is that what you try if you try to no, do that you'd never put anything out no surely. you wouldn't I, I don't think it's possible yeah. and even if even if people who you know it's the kind of old dan brown thing isn't it you know every writer in the world will slag off dan brown but really, they know that Dan Brown is onto something, you know, and, and that's the truth of it, right? Yeah. So you can either, you can write deliberately clever commercial novels, or you can try and, you know, um, well, I don't know, try and write something different. I don't think it is that. I don't think anybody knows what's going to sell it. I don't think anyone in publishing knows anything about what's going to sell. Some things do and some things don't. Mm. Uh, but my stuff, whatever it is that I'm doing, it's not selling. So. <laughs> yet, yet. <laughs> maybe not um but 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 it is a yeah it's a funny one um so your question was about friends and i think yeah i mean i i I speak to i I just approach friends who i felt would be gentle but fair on it i guess um and and now actually i'd be more discerning about who would see my work and i'm much more i'm much less afraid of sending it to people who'll say what are you doing you know Um, Yeah, so that kind of trying to, it's definitely something that I was thinking about in terms of being resilient writer, surely, you're probably going to get rejected more if you, (laughs) I mean, there's no way that you can just avoid the rejection, is there? So it's guess it's just learning to um, accept that, that it's going to happen. Whereas in those early days, I can imagine I'd be the same just sending it to people that um, might be kind. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, and you see horror stories of writers who've who've gone through the whole process, and then their books out in the world, and then 
uh, somebody gives them a, a harsh review and they go after the person who's left the review and stuff. And it's like the ultimate, you do not do it. You don't okay. cross that line. I'll, um, I'll just so, make a note of that. <laughs> But, you don't do that, right? No, you don't. No, you, you, you're not, that is like. But and but, well, we're human. We like you. Surely totally. you want to defend uh, yourself if somebody's put something out that you about you that you don't agree with. Um, Jenna, there, there have been times where I've wanted to send hit squads after people, <laughs> um, but you just can't. You just can't go there, you know. And and that's part of the game as well. And, it, and it's that whole death of the author thing. So the, this idea that text and author are two separate things, which of course is true. And, and actually, growing up, and, and I'm sure maybe most people are the same, when you when you read a book, you don't actually give a, a second thought to who the writer is, what their emotions are, who they are. You're reading the text, and that's what you engage with. Because you co-construct it, don't you? You, you know, the, the writer has written it, but the reader is also kind of building the other side of the equation out. Mm. Um, and what you where you meet in the middle is is the is the magic bit of, of reading, really. I mean, I think this a lot when I'm looking at my son reading. Reading is actually such a weird thing to do. <laughs> it's I, so it weird. totally is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So weird. Um, it's just the way that these worlds appear in your head and then just, yeah, that's it, they're exactly. gone. Close the book, they're I, gone. <laughs> anyway, I, I totally span away from what we were talking about then, didn't I? But um, yeah. I, so you got your yeah. friends to read it. We were talking yes. about don't come after the the bad reviews. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, never go after bad <laughs> reviews. Yeah. I mean, my dog's got an Instagram account. We can do them from that or something like that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only do it anonymous, ha- anonymously. But, but there have been there have been some quite, especially in sort of the science fiction world, there have been some quite kind of spicy exchanges that have happened where, you know, you, you got the kind of classic old ones of I can't remember was it. Um, um, George Orwell and and uh, Ray, not Ray Bradbury, the chap who wrote um, Brave New World, who is just completely now Aldous Huxley. I think they were writing to each other, you know, talking about why they're each of us books was oh right, option. okay. I could be completely making up some beef there that wasn't there. <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> I don't think they're going to come and defend themselves. No, right. no yeah. Um, but um, there have been occasions where writers have anonymously written reviews of co of, of, yep. of fellow of colleagues work if you like yep. but done it and but done it anonymously and been really really harsh with it and then they've been outed as the as the author of these anonymous reviews <laughs> and all hell's broken loose you know so stuff like that happens like writers are basically quite catty a catty bunch um but I mean, going back to when you said that you didn't think that you were necessarily inherent resilient because you were sensitive. But I mean, yeah. these are those sort of qualities. Surely that helps make you a good writer. But I'd like <laughs> it's to think so. Catch twenty two. Yeah, it is, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Because you, you, you know, a good writer, you would hope, um, is kind of incisive and insightful, and you know, sensitive to to how people talk and behave and and feel and think uh and, and those kind of things you know the, the, the lofty goal of writing is to capture something of the the human experience and yeah. i did that in scare quotes you're not going to see that so that's really <laughs> wanky if I, don't say that. <laughs> I don't know how to put them on on a podcast thing sorry yeah, well, just, just take my word for it listener matt so is earnestly. now doing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i yeah i mean the whole thing is it's a, it's a series of little wins little glimmers of hope and then crushing periods of waiting <laughs> and patience and and having to pick yourself up and and that i mean it's the same of any profession where you're going at it relentlessly right it's like a 
you come against obstacles and, and it's whether you can be bothered picking yourself up to keep climbing over them if that's what you want to keep doing um yeah and because- i think i suppose like in in a profession yeah but also you're doing this on top of a, a different profession as well like you're doing yeah. it in your spare time and for me i think like if i have to produce something because that's my job my work my responsibility then i'll kind of just get it out but here there's so many it feels like there's so many ways uh, times where you could just give up <laughs> and what I've, what stops you giving up in those times like yeah i, I mean I, I wonder whether there's there's a thing about being a writer calling yourself a writer there is an identity thing there and there's obviously there is a status there and i think if we're really honest about it there's probably a little bit of self-absorption and and uh, ego and and kind of there's there's a bit of arrogance involved isn't there in saying right i'm going to write this thing and i i'm going to write it because i want it to be read um and it's not entitlement that then kind of takes you on to the next stage of submitting it to agents and publishers or whatever but i think the nicest way i've seen it described is that you're you're trying to add to a kind of global conversation mm. or or not necessarily global you know you're trying to add to a cultural conversation with with whatever it is that you're creating or producing um and I think, yeah, I wonder whether there's, I wonder whether when you, when you've told yourself for long enough or you've made the choice farther enough down the road, you've made the choice far enough down the road, you can't go back on it, so to speak. You, you kind of say, well, I'm a writer. It's my profession. I've been doing, you know, I've been writing, I've been copywriting professionally now for nearly 15 years. I could have a career change or I could keep doing what I'm doing because I'm fairly good at it and I've got clients and and that kind of thing with fiction, certainly for me, because I don't do it as my full-time job. It's my spare time job. If you like. I think we call it a hustle, side hustle. Now. A, side, a side hustle. <laughs> yeah. A side hustle. Because of that, I don't, um, I don't attach the same, the, the money part of it isn't as kind of important, although it would be nice to make some money from it, obviously. Um, <laughs> And so the relationship is different. If I said, right, tomorrow I've got an advance for a book, which is a nice chunky advance, and I'm now going to make a go of being a full-time fiction writer, the game changes then because at that point, not only do you have to up your self-promotion, your ability to to hustle, um, you kind of networking, your presence, you have to create yourself a presence. Um, there's, there's lots of things that change. And I think where i am now i mean that would be lovely to be able to just go and write full fiction full time but i have to be realistic that that probably isn't going to happen for me so it's about degrees of acceptance but also in terms of resilience it's saying well am i prepared to keep banging my head against the door in the hope that one day i have a little breakout and i can go you know i I feel like i've just (laughs) gone in a big circuitous no no but but Yeah. yeah I think it's ended with that kind of optimism that there's worth in what you're doing. So you keep banging your head. Um, But going back to those kind of early steps that you were taking with those trying to get that first novel off the ground or Mm. one of the ones that we haven't had out out in the world yet. I mean, were there times then where it just felt hopeless and you were going to give it all up? Was that quite a regular thing or were there some kind of times where you walked away for a period of time and just thought this is never going to happen? Yes, regularly, and I think that still happens. Actually, um, I 
and that, and that's you know that's the importance of having a support network for me now that's having the writers that i can moan to it'll tell you to get a grip you know my partner my wife suzanne she'll, she'll do the same <laughs> but th- were there times but certainly in, in that early period where i didn't really know how the industry properly functioned and and you know that the odds were very slim and, and this is the other thing i need to really kind of emphasize this like i am very fortunate to be in print i'm so lucky and i and i'm very aware of that and actually sometimes at my most sort of um self-pitying it, it takes a bit of a kick up the arse to say well you, you know you've had four books published that's you know that's really good and of course it is and i'm very very proud of that i'm very fortunate to have had that happen but yes there have been times where i've thought well that's it you know i've done for um i can't i can't publish this i can't sell this you know i mean after my so the fourth the fourth book it came out a week before lockdown in 2020 all those years ago <laughs> and, <laughs> this um, is the breach that you're this is about. the breach yeah and and um you know bookshops closed it had it had a, a lovely review in the times which was like my best ever press review if you like uh, um a bump of sales from that, I think, certainly from ebooks, and then all the shops closed, and and that was it, and it kind of just sank without trace, and and sadly, you know, that was getting on for what three years ago. I've not published anything since. Um, I've got my manuscript that I'm trying to shop around and and maybe sell, but but ultimately the um that's been a long three years. It's been a long three years. Has it been three years? Yeah, it's been three years. It, it feels a long three years. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'm not very good at maths, which is probably goes with the territory. <laughs> but uh, it's been a long time anyway, and it's felt like being in the doldrums a little bit. And there have been occasions in there where I've gone, this is making me quite unhappy. I think I'm going to stop and just concentrate on, you know, spending time with the family, doing my copywriting for my clients and, you know, having a quieter, a quieter time of it without all this extra stress. <laughs> and I guess, do you see that as kind of, I mean, I still see that as resilience. It's just kind of taking a bit the time that you need to do what you need to come back or walk away which again is resilience but I was just thinking of when you started with that kind of capitalist rant about the um that kind of need to build resilience from we're just going to shove stuff at you I mean was there times I guess you could have that temptation to I've just got to push through even though I'm not enjoying it it'll come back or um I guess yeah did you still see that as resilience that I'm just going to take a step back now I don't think at the time I would have seen it as resilience. I might have seen it as um, cowardice or, you know, tiredness, fatigue with the whole sort of situation of it, really, because it is quite a tricky, a tricky industry. Um, and people do burn out and people do kind of say, I've, you know, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of my, I think for me, um, it was a, I would quite happily go and, and sort of be, self-pitying about it but the people around me were saying well you can't do that because you, you can't you've got to crack on and and so that's again going back to saying crack on well that's when I mean, that's it and, and maybe that is a maybe that isn't a terribly helpful way to approach it but actually some, sometimes it's quite nice to be told shut up get on with it you know? yes I did have a um a coach talking about resilience on one of the other ones who said it's fine to have this pity party <laughs> do that but don't stay there for you know x amount of years <laughs> yeah and i, th- I, th- I think and i think it comes again any profession any hobby any kind of pursuit any human pursuit there is something isn't there in just going 
well, I want this, so I'm just going to keep going. And mm. uh, and uh, ultimately, I suppose, you know, you asked the question, well, well maybe no, you did ask the question, but I'll ask it anyway. But like that, why do you write? And I don't think anyone could actually say, well, why do you do anything? It's just what I've fallen into doing and I've got into the habit of doing and I enjoy doing sometimes. And uh, you chase that, you chase the good times, don't you, really? That's, that's, that's it. Mm. And um, then I was thinking kind of when we were talking about you having you know you you believe in this you what you've written and that keeps you going I was just wondering about the editing process which we haven't really talked about yet and we kind of went from yeah I sent it to an agent and then it got published but surely there was an editing point in between and I wondered how kind of attached you are to your books and your words and what you've written and how hard it is to have somebody come in that perhaps you don't even know very well if it's not one of your friends giving you feedback it's a professional and pulling it apart (laughs) how was that I mean that just Mm -hmm. seems horrendous and I don't think I've really worked in an area where I've had that I've had somebody pulling me up on everything that I've done in in a job I mean I think for all the times I've said on this chat that I am thin-skinned and sensitive I think my experience is working in copywriting for you know ad agency type work you know marketing advertising um branding you know, I've had some pretty wild conversations with stakeholders in the in those situations, and some of the feedback that you get in that in that industry is, I mean, ridiculous. So you so you you very quickly learn to say, well, what is valid and what is just ultra subjectivity, and kind of actually, it's just I don't like that, and you don't know how to say it. When it comes to editing fiction, you have to trust the editor that you're with, and I found for all of my books that the editorial process has massively increased the, um, well, I mean, it's just massively improved the books I've been, I've, I've, I've submitted. Uh, and I actually really enjoy the process, which some writers hate. Some, some writers hate editing and that's fair enough for me. Um, you know, the joy comes in rewriting actually and, and finding better ways to say things, linking things up, finding connections that you hadn't previously seen threading through a a theme that perhaps wasn't there or wasn't obvious enough, you know, all all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I've been lucky to have really lovely editors who've understood what I've been trying to do and, and help me kind of get there. If you like that said, there are occasions where there'll be an editorial suggestion that you just bluntly disagree with. And then you, you have to have just a, a decent conversation about it. And, and ultimately, you know, the editor ever says, okay, well, it's your book, which, which they do say, and they're not, <laughs> they're not sort of dictators in any means. Um, but, you know, you, you do also see books that come out where you can tell that because of the status of the writer, they've not been edited particularly thoroughly. And you see that and feel that sometimes when you're reading books. And I've, ne- I've never named names, but I think there is a sense that, that, that the more successful you are, the less likely it is that you will run into editorial resistance. And actually, editors have got a really, really important role, a really important job. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of editors. And I'm not just saying that because I'm out on submission at the moment. I'm saying <laughs> All right. OK. I thought this was way too positive. This was not what I was expecting. No, no I, I actually I actually really like, I actually, where it gets scary is when the editor signs off and then it's, you know, it's the proofreader and then you're out there. And mm. that's the point at which you actually read the book from a completely different perspective. And you often find all sorts of silly mistakes and sort of bonkers like continuity errors that nobody's picked up 
and then you have a big panic. I mean, I I'm, and when the book comes out, you just never look at it ever again. I mean, that's that's how I work. I've not, I've not, you know, I've, for readings, yes, I'll look at them and 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 read through and stuff. But uh, once they're out, I I tend tend to I don't tend to revisit them. Oh, really? <laughs> and these seem like quite minor errors that you're picking up on. Yeah, yeah I mean, every book. Yeah, it's, it's very it, it's very rare that a book would go out without a typo. Like there's always one or two that slip through the net somehow, whether that's kind of a print process error or just one of those things, you know. But but I'm guessing you find them in other books that you read and reassures you that it's not just your books. Yeah, you're gleeful about it. <laughs> gleeful about it. No, yeah, I mean sometimes <laughs> get on that anonymous review. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think there's a, I think there's another saying that something like the greatest urge to for a writer is to edit someone else's work, and I, I totally agree with that. So you never felt, so it just seems a really healthy and um, positive um, way of looking at your editing, whereas you're not taking it personally. It's not like ripping out, you know, your little child that you've been working on for all those years. I I think you have to believe that if if an editor or a commission editor has taken on the work, they believe in it to such an extent that they are, they want it to be the best it can be for getting out there in the world. Um. And so, you know, it's in their interests to make it as good as it can be. And so you have to just kind of have faith in that process, really. I could I could see a situation. So sometimes, you know, editors move and shift around. So you could you could be picked up by what you could be picked up by one editor and then edited by somebody else who doesn't necessarily believe in the book. Um, I could see that being quite difficult. And I know mm. that has happened to people that I care about. <laughs> and I think that's been quite challenging for them. Um but mercifully, I've been very well looked after editorially, so I can't moan too much. Oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then go, talking about the reviews, I mean, do you read your reviews? Is that a no? Don't don't uh, I, scroll Amazon I mean, and see what everybody yeah, I mean, thinks about it. I think I could recite to you every single one star review I've ever had. You know, <laughs> like that stuff is that stuff is burned into your soul. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of it now I can just laugh at, you know, um, and, and do. But some of it, I, that that was, you know, you talk about resilience. That was the, the absolute hardest thing to to kind of to face down was uh, not 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 again. Not that I felt in any sense entitled to good reviews because you're not. And a good review, if you're going to accept your good reviews, you also have to accept your bad reviews, and and you have to just accept that people you know, aren't always going to like stuff. And, I, and again, my stuff is very mixed. It has a very mixed response. Um, the second book, which did well in, well, I say did well, but that was the one that, that was graphed, which was up for the Philip K. Dick Award. Um, that's an American award. So a lot more American readers read it. And uh, <laughs> because it had a lot of Northern English dialect in it, I think. Did that not translate so well? <laughs> not at all. And there's some reviews of that book, which are which are pretty brutal. Um. Yeah, I. It still hurts, and it always will hurt when you get a bad review, and especially because you have to sit on your hands. You can't just type. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and actually, the most painful ones are the ones that are that are, that you know are right. You know, there are some some reviews where they, where they'll go off about something that isn't even in the book, or that they've completely misread or misunderstood. They're frustrating. But the ones that get right into your soul and say, this guy can't even write characters, you know, or this guy, this guy can't do what he's, what he thinks he's trying to do, or this guy's trying to, trying too hard to be someone else. 
that's that stuff is like so you know uh, oh really because when you were talking about the kind of editing and getting this feedback and some of yeah. it you know like it just seemed like this would be nothing that affected you yeah they're strangers I, it is and, and and maybe that comes with you know my broader kind of personality type i mean i don't want to kind of interrogate that too much because you know you go down a hole don't you but um <laughs> Again, going back to being sensitive, you know, you do care what people think of your work produced because you've put a lot into it. And 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 the most dangerous thing you can do, but that you do anyway, is to attach your self-worth to your work. But you do. I mean, by work, I mean your, your fiction or your stories or your books or whatever. Um, because you put so much of yourself into them. You want someone to kind of coddle them and gently hold them. But they don't care what I think. And and really, that's fair. You know, that's 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 the deal. Um and, I, and and again, I, I what I always reassure myself with is a the sting of a, of a bad review eases very quickly now, whereas it used to linger for days or weeks. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, that's a shit review, and then I'll go, oh, I'll get over it, and I know that I'll get over it, and so I do get over it, and that's quite a nice, you know, that's yeah. how I reassure myself. <laughs> so, yeah. And has has the process changed in those kind of ten years? Like, were you a lot more sensitive? Have you realize what you need you know what's worth spending that time in that pity yeah. party about and moving on how have you or have you found that since you you mentioned about the support of the writers is that having that larger support network and experience in the industry has that helped like what do you think the changes have yeah. been i think i think there's a, a good mix of all of those things i think certainly becoming close friends with other writers has been a really lovely um unexpected kind of benefit of all of it and it's kind of inevitable isn't it when you when you subverse yourself in any kind of subculture or we, I mean, essentially writing could be seen as a subculture. It has, you know, it has boundaries, it has little factions, it has all of that kind of stuff going on. Um, so yeah, being able to talk to people honestly about what you're experiencing behind the scenes is vital. It's vital. Um, because ultimately Sue's my partner can only bear too much of that stuff, you know, so much of that stuff before it becomes incredibly, um, <laughs> quite boring. <laughs> um, uh, and then in terms of, you know, the, the wider process, well, yeah, I'm much more aware of how the industry works. So you can prepare yourself for this, you know, so as I say, I'm on submission at the moment, which means I have a manuscript being shopped around by an agent who's taking it to various editors at various publishers who will inevitably reject it because that's the odds. And then one or two, hopefully might say, okay, there's something in this. Let's have a talk about what that could mean and then and then the next hurdle is that they take it to an acquisitions meeting where sales and marketing will say well hang on his last book sold two copies we can't take him on you know it's that kind of like so there's another hurdle there which you don't hear about or talk about um so again i think having that support network during that process is really interesting because people can people know what it feels like because they've gone through it themselves or they're going through it themselves um and they can give you that perspective of well, either way, you will know soon enough or we're here for you if it doesn't go to plan or, yeah, but you are still good at writing, so make sure you don't give up. You know, it's that kind of thing. And I mean, I wish people said that to me. It's not quite that plump. <laughs> I, I do, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, as I say, I, I'm getting older. So I'm, I'm, you know, I was a I was a whippersnapper when I started out and I was quite precocious with it. And I think I'm learning now to, you know, keep my gob shut a bit more and, and um keep myself to myself and just get my head down um and and you know just keep just keep trying <laughs> cracking so, <yeah>. on <laughs> yeah 
And I, I guess I know with the, that manuscript that's going out for submission now that's finished, like, does that leave space for you to start working on something else? Is it straight into another, um, another right? I think that's, I think that's probably the, the best thing I've learned is that you, when you, when you, when you're waiting on responses, the only thing you can do is keep writing something else because that way you shift your focus, you shift the emphasis your emotional state shifts into the new space. You're excited about the new, the new manuscript. The other ones suddenly becomes kind of old news weirdly. And I had this situation with, with zero bomb and the breach, which were the third and fourth respectively. Um, I'd actually written the breach first and that was on submission and she's been shopped around for about 18 months, which is a very long time. And we thought it was never going to sell. And then by some good fortune, it was picked up by an editor um, lovely chap called Gary, who I'm still pals with, who who picked it up for Titan Books. And um, as part of that deal, my agent at the time said, well, we he's actually finished another manuscript. Do you want to review that as well? Because the dream is to get two books sold at once. Um, and, the, and Titan did. And they actually published them the other way around. So they published Zero Bomb, which was the most recent one I'd written. They published that first because they felt it had more commercial potential. And then they published The Breach after that. So there was a bit of a kind of flip round, but I would never have written zero bomb in the, in the speed and with the kind of urgency I did had the breach not been on submission for that whole time. Mm -hmm. So in a weird way, having the breach on submission for 18 months meant that I I couldn't do anything else. So I, so I wrote the, I, I wrote zero bomb as a kind of like angry little riposte to, you know, being on submission for so long and, and, and struggling with it, if you like. And it is quite an angry book, actually, as a result. <laughs> but there we go. There's that spite again, you know. So, yeah. And just thinking as well, I mean, managed not to talk about me at all in this podcast, which I like. <laughs> but I mean, for full disclosure, you've read my manuscript and given me feedback. And what I found about your feedback was it was so sensitive to holding my kind of confidence as a writer you were so complimentary way more than anybody else or that I would have expected it seemed to be like <laughs> apologetic that you might have something that possibly could be changed if I really wanted to and I'm yeah. and I just wondered if you were sensitive just because this is the first time that I've written a book or if it was maybe the subject of the book or if that's just how you would have liked all feedback to be to you <laughs> like where does that come from um I mean I'd like to think that when I feedback on friends manuscripts and stuff that I'm always you know beautifully sensitive and uh you know make sure that they feel very comfortable with the experience um I mean the truth is that that is just how I'd prefer to to feedback stuff you know it's not like the, it's not a shit sandwich you know I'm not saying oh this this bit's good this bit's good but the bit in the middle is not I think it's more that um I look I mean I've had very harsh critiques which have been enormously helpful and they've come from a place of love I think because you and I aren't you know we don't know each other I think for me to go in hard you would have no context for that you're like who's this guy he's just gone. you can't just say this you can't just come into my life and tell me that my book's shit <laughs> um which i would never do uh, to anybody um I, I i think it's important as well for, for people you know writing a book is is a big deal and i know that because i've done it a few times and i and i don't say it in a kind of self-congratulatory way i say it in a 
it takes a lot to, to to have the the kind of endurance to write a book so even that in itself is 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 you know something you need to be respectful of and um, it helps that the book the manuscript you've written is really good jen so <laughs> you can you can have that one for free <laughs> on your podcast um, <laughs> but no i think i think if you are if you if you're serious about it and you and you want to do it then yes you can expect people to kind of be to be blunt or even harsh or surprisingly harsh especially and it, and it stings more sometimes when it comes from people you know and care about and who you're friends with or you that you love um but had there been more in there to to slag off i would have slagged it off very constructively so i, I think i'd just take it as a good sign really um but again and, and I think I said this to you in, in, in the, the feedback I gave to you, you know, it's not my, it's not, it's not in my interest to kind of try and shape your manuscript as I'd write my own. Um, and so I think for me, I'm coming at it from a kind of craft perspective, whereas actually someone that you're very close friends with is going to come at it. If, is this a good accounting of, of Jen? Is this the Jen I know? Is this the Jen that I spend time with and, and know this story about, you know? And yeah, for me, it's all about kind of honesty and, and um, I guess, you know, writing, writing quite freely and, and with vulnerability, which I think you've done, which we've talked about. Um, but I also think, yeah, if you, if you, any, any book about anything, if it's written from a distance with a distancing trick of, you know, it being quite cold or there not being any kind of sense of emotion in there, it's not going to resonate with anybody. And I think people, people who write, even if the book is riddled with typos, if it feels like it's coming from somewhere honest, it's going to connect with someone. And I think with your manuscript, I felt as though I was reading something that was really honest. And so that's, you know, even from a starting point, that's a really good place to start. I mean, so, I think yeah. from my writing, the connection was the important thing. And, and then what I was, what made me keep going was, um, I don't really mind how it sells. That wasn't really what I was thinking of. If it connects with one person, that's still worthwhile. Um, so that, I suppose, when we were talking about what kept us going, I mean, I've not had that experience yet of any kind of rejection from it, although I have had some harsh um, feedback. It's that kind of, I believe in it. I believe there's something to connect with somebody here and that keep, keeps me going. Um, maybe not when I was getting rejections, but I suppose when it was a bit harder, I was finding hard it, hard to find time to write or mm. um, it never it, it wasn't ending how I was planning my book. Um, and when you have had like harsh criticism that you said, um, I mean, have you appreciated that straight away or has it been something where you've had to work through it? I think I was kind of thinking of the like Mary Oliver poem where she said like somebody once gave me a box of darkness and it took me years to understand that this too was a gift it was that kind of at the time where you just I'm not listening I don't want to take this on board or and it took you a while to work out that actually yeah that was in my best interest I think certainly when I was younger I was probably more likely to be you know to just push it away and say yeah you don't know anything you know where of course now if someone's going to take the time to read your manuscript, you have to listen to what they say about it anyway. I mean, I mean, one of the most, and just an example, one of the most kind of powerful things that's happened to be in the last five years was that um, somebody whose name I won't mention, but he's a very well-respected science fiction writer um, uh, globally, really. He's a, he's a bit of a megastar. Uh, and he, I was lucky enough that he offered to read 
my last manuscript. And he wrote for me probably a 3,000 word essay about all the things that were wrong with it. And I mean, he went in pretty hard on it, right? Okay. <laughs> it was there was it was a shit sandwich. There was some nice oh, okay. There was the a some there was some bread yeah, in there. <laughs> there was a bit of bread. It was a very it was like very anemic, slightly mouldy bread, um, or like one of those you know those thins, those pretend, those awful Warburton's things. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm I'm deflecting, aren't I? But it it was it was harsh. It was a really harsh criticism with some absolutely golden advice in it. And and part of that golden advice was you need to rewrite this from the top. You need to print the whole thing out and you need to sit down with a fresh manuscript and you need to rewrite it from the top to the bottom uh, again, anew. And I did. And um, the did, manuscript wow. that, that became, yeah. And, and, and it was, it was, it changed my, it's changed my process. It's changed how I think about uh, drafting, you know, because before that I'd finish a draft and then I'd go back in and tinker with the odd word and move things around and, delete something and add something in this was a complete redraft where I literally page by page I rewrote and every single line changed every single line every single paragraph every single chapter changed for the better I hope um and it was just a really remarkable experience and and, and again that comes I think when I first read that email it was that leaden stomach mm. you know your pulse elevates you're a bit like oh my god I'm a failure. <laughs> I've I've completely, you know, I've published four books and I can still get a critique that's basically telling me I can't write. And that was it was it was a it was a massive um yeah, it was a kick up the bum, but it was also a, a humbling, if you like. And uh, I I'm grateful for that all the time now, actually. I think uh, I think about it quite regularly and sometimes I reread it as well. Oh still, like going back yeah. over it and Yeah, because I think there's just some there was some quite um there's some quite universal truths about how I write in there, which which I think I need to be reminded of sometimes. So it was quite, it was a, it was, it was a real, uh, it was a real experience. And I, I, it's the first time I've ever spoken about this. Like a few people know that that happened. Um, it's the first time I've certainly never spoken about it publicly. Uh, but it, but I think it, in another ten years, if I'm still here, if we're still here, if we're not being nuked or whatever else, you know. Um, <laughs> I I like to think that that will I will look back on that, that on that essay that I was sent as a bit of a turning point for me. And do you think you'd be in a position to do that for somebody else if if required? I'd like to think I could. I'd like to think I would actually because it was actually an act of real generosity really because you know this person has a lot of a lot of things to do and is a very busy person and and took that time out to, to, to <laughs> not only read my manuscript but tear it a new one really let you know um, what he thought <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 um no i'd love i'd love i'd love to be able to pass that kind of you know favor on if you can call it a favor um but it was a favor and it's and it's you know it will be i'll be great i'll be grateful for that for forever i think so really i guess what i'm hearing is kind of choose who you take the feedback from or who, how you act on that and um, you definitely don't have I mean I guess there's a danger of getting too much feedback and then it becomes quite a messy who do you go with but yeah that's where your instinct then, comes but, in but even th- but even then like having all those extra you know all those inputs you look for the common threads mm-hmm. and if, if and if multiple people are saying that x is x is wrong y is good then you you kind of have to listen to that and say well all right then something needs to be done about that section or that that character or that that element of it and I was just wondering, like, it just 
screams resilience this whole career of writing and every process and I just wondered whether that kind of came into other areas of your life do you feel like you're more resilient in family other other hobbies other pursuits mm. um, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm a very resilient father for one I think I'm I get quite you know I've not got short fuse but I you know that stuff you know there's a lot of stuff around parenting which is you know you're required to have an enormous amount of patience which sometimes i feel i don't have and you know you get things wrong and you're confronted by how rubbish you actually are at certain things and like <laughs> again it's like kind of well i've got to keep going because they need to be fed and, and looked after and that's fine right um certainly um certainly i don't know if you call it resilience or di discipline I'm, i am much more disciplined because of this because i ultimately if there's something i don't want to do I'm better at saying, well, if I do it, I'll feel better afterwards, <laughs> you know, whether that's admin, like tax returns, whether that's hoovering, <laughs> whether that's doing my washing, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, again, going back to what I said right at the start of this about the, the, the misconception that writing is a very glamorous pastime. And I'm not trying to put people off here because I think the rewards are potentially incredible. Um, and you do get to meet some lovely people and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> By and large, I live a very boring existence, <laughs> and I think, and I think it's really important to say that. You know, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing a dangerous job. I'm not putting myself at risk. I'm not saving lives. I'm not, um, you know, I, yes, you can contributing to culture is 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 valid and it's it's important. But you look at the last few years, and I'm not trying to get on a big kind of, you know, moral <laughs> like. Uh, lecture but I, I, ultimately I don't think writing is important compared to nursing or being a firefighter or you know um, teaching so I, I'm, I'm quite good at keeping perspective as well you know mm. that sometimes this can feel like a little dalliance and actually you know when you write miserable dystopian novels like I do when something like Covid comes along you're a bit like oh shit you know this is for real now and I think I think a lot of science fiction writers will have had a bit of an existential crisis during COVID because they're a bit like, well, everything we've ever written about, you know, society collapsing is potentially happening right in front of our eyes now. And you know, where do, where do we go from here? Totally, How do we make yeah. it darker? Totally. And I think you know, and and I know that I you know I'd, I'd imagine that people who were writing, and I'm not comparing COVID and the world wars by any means here, but you know, I think when there are these massive social upheavals. Culture is often the first thing I think to suffer, isn't it? Because people are like, well, I'm being shaken out of the comfort that's allowing me to do this. Um, and I do sometimes think that while writing is really important and obviously journalism is really important and that kind of stuff, um, sometimes I think writing novels is, is quite frivolous. Um, and I'm quite comfortable saying that. And there's a lot of writers who'd say, shut up, Matt. You, you can't say that. It's vital. It's your life work. We need, we need it. Yeah, of course. Uh, but but for me personally, you know, um, if if it came to it, I would I would walk away if that meant you know being a better dad or or or, or you know if the circumstances that with work changed and I had to go and get another job, well, I would happily put fiction on the back burner to do that because the the, the needs get you know reordered and and so on. So yes, to answer your question, has it made me re <laughs> more resilient elsewhere? Maybe, maybe. But again, it's it's kind of hard to separate 
writing from my own identity and how I see myself. You know, I, it sounds properly silly to say I see myself as a writer. You know, I'm quite embarrassed if someone says, what do you do? I'm a writer. You know, I remember getting my, my car stolen and going into a police station and they're asking what I did. And I said, I'm a copywriter. And they were like, what? <laughs> and then you say, I'm a writer. I write for businesses. And they were sniggering. <laughs> it's like, because it just sounds it's such a wanky thing to say isn't it but then you've been telling me that i'm a writer and i'm like i'm not a writer well you are because you've written right i mean i can you know i can give i can give advice i can't take it that's that's part of that's part of, part of the game isn't it but, um yeah well you are a writer matt and a very Thanks. resilient yeah. writer because oh, you're still here still writing despite all the knockdowns the terrible yeah. feedback and the um reviews so i've got your top 10 worst reviews here to read no, I <laughs> <laughs> i'm well, not I finishing do, I could, on I could, that I could, re- I could recite them off the top of my head you know. don't, don't need you to uh, have them there. i mean yeah there are some there are some funny ones go on i mean go and have a look in some especially on goodreads people are just like oh man yeah, I like the ones, ones on Amazon where it's one star and it like didn't arrive on time or something. It was nothing to do with the author or the yeah. the content. But I've, but I've also had a five star review that's like you know five stars. Packaging was great, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'm going to boost my little review algorithm. You know, it's really important, and, uh, and people will see that and be happy. So, yeah. Well, thank you. You can have a five star review for coming on the podcast to talk all about your resilience. And good luck with the new book. Thank you you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.